0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. Uh, This is Davis actually coming on for the first time in a while, and that is because uh, our good buddy Chad is expecting a little one any minute now. So, unfortunately, he will not be able to join us for this episode. Um, We do have a special guest that we'll be filling in, and I will introduce him here in a minute. But the first thing I would like to bring up is I would really like to thank everyone that came out to our live episode this past Saturday for the Purdue game. At Turtle Creek Tavern in Gahanna, Ohio, uh, we had an absolute blast. Uh, we were actually astonished at the amount of people that showed up. Uh, we had some awesome giveaways. Uh, we had a great time. We got to see an awesome Ohio State victory. So I want to give another shout-out to Turtle Creek Tavern. Um, if you haven't visited um, you know their bar or their restaurant, uh, give give them a lookout. I mean, you can find them at TurtleCreekTavern.com. Ta- uh, um, go ahead and search. They got all kinds of fun stuff they do throughout the week. Uh, they have a deal with Corona, so they have deals on Coronas when you're there if, the, if you're the drinking type. Um, and they're also still doing a giveaway for a Corona Bicycle that any bucket of krona you get, you will get a ticket for um, a chance to win that bike, and they'll draw that at the halftime of the Ohio State-Michigan game. So, again, a big thanks to Turtle Creek Tavern and all of our friends, family, and our listeners that decided to come out and support us. So thank you so much. Um, Also, one more uh, big shout-out to John Converse. He's a buddy of ours who has helped us with our digital stuff, helped us kind of rebrand our logo, and we're in a big bind. I mean, you know, we had – kind of been setting this live show up and we got this banner made and it come it comes to us and it's just it looks like utter crap to be perfectly honest so we call our boy john uh, converse up and he sure enough you know we give him the specs everything he needs he takes care of us sends it to the company we get everything back and it looks awesome if you haven't seen the pictures you can check it out on our website dtipodcast.com you can check it out on our facebook page Um, But everything looks great. So if you need some digital stuff done, John Converse is your man. Um, If you need his contact info, you can get a hold of us, and we would be glad to share that on. Uh, So moving on to today's episode, I know that we missed out on our Purdue review. So we'll give it a few minutes, and then we'll get into the main game of the week. But I would like to introduce my co-host for today, who is filling in for Chad It is none other than the Buckeye Boggs. Eric Boggs from the Ohio podcast is joining us today. Eric, my friend, how are you doing?
1: Davis, good to talk to you once again, my man. Fantastic. Looking forward to chatting with you about the Buckeyes. And, man, I'm looking forward to the big one this Saturday, my friend.
0: It is a big game. If not, I'd say the second biggest game of the year, and some might argue the biggest game if you want to talk about tiebreakers. We might get into that in a little bit. But I appreciate you on late notice coming in and filling in, my good friend. And I would like to at least give a couple, you know, a few moments here and give us a run through because your podcast has come a long way since we've last recorded together. Uh, I think our last episode was last year we did our big – you know, playoff reveal when they first kind of did, you know, the first one of the year. And since then, man, your podcast has gone through the roof. Can you please tell us about what is happening with your podcast?
1: Yeah, so this is year number five for the OHIO podcast, and we've been through a lot of growth we decided to go from just being audio only to video last January, and we had some of those growing pains, but then it just exploded. Uh, YouTube has been fantastic for us as a medium. Our audio has also exploded, and not sure if it was just people discovering us on YouTube or the fact that we created a partnership with Fansided, uh, which runs which owns the Scarlet and Game website. Uh, which is a uh, written format uh, for Ohio State. It's a it's a basically a fan driven media for Ohio State, and we became the official Ohio State podcast for them, and so we're all over their uh, Ohio State pages, and then we also uh, did a had an interesting move uh, before the f- season started when we became uh, Big Banter Sports official Ohio State podcast. For football. And Big Banter Sports is a young startup company uh, from a couple Buckeyes. They uh, graduated a couple years ago, decided that they wanted to challenge Barstool Sports. And they said, well, uh, the the what we're gonna do is create a barstool sports type of media company where we get 14 podcasts uh, representing the 14 different uh, Big Ten schools together and just let them banter and it has been great to collaborate with other Big Ten schools podcasts for previews and things of that nature. Um, we we've had some funny. Some funny prop bets with uh, uh, some other podcasts. We created the first ever rivalry trophy between podcasts, which was great. Uh, It was actually against uh, Purdue this recently uh, when we went to to West Lafayette as a show uh, and met uh, the uh, Boiler Express podcast guys. And so that has been awesome. And we've just seen our numbers go through the roof. We've doubled in size and uh, we're just tickled pink with – Uh, All of our new listeners, we go live on YouTube and Facebook every Sunday night at eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, You can catch us at the Ohio podcast on YouTube or on Facebook and and be a part of that. You can chime in with your chats and uh, we have a chat window and you can comment and ask questions and be a part of the show. It's been great fun.
0: Yeah, I, it, take it from me. Like I, I've kept up on some of their their live shows. I may not catch them live, and that's fine. If you can't catch it live, I mean they post them so you can always catch them after the fact. Um, but one of my favorites was your podcast uh, collaboration with the Notre Dame guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's and that definitely was the most popular. Oh, yeah.
0: it's so fun because first of all, you know I may not be a Notre Dame fan, but that's a hell of a guy to listen to. I could I could totally see getting completely, you know, energized by listening to that guy on a daily basis. Now, some people mm-hmm. may think completely opposite, but I found him completely fascinating. Your interaction with him was completely fascinating and the bets that you make with him. And, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it's an homage to us. I'm not taking any credit. I promise you, Eric, I'm not. But I love the prop bets. You know, that's yep. kind of a me and Chad thing and the prop bets, and just finding some sort of gambling way. It doesn't have to be a monetary value, but some sort of gamble in there just makes it so much more interesting, man. So I'm not going to give any teasers. If you want to find out what happened, go back and check out their their YouTube videos. You can find out what kind of bet was made between Eric and uh, the Ohio podcast and the the, the Notre Dame podcast. And kind of see what kind of bet was made. And I can already tell you, it obviously went in our favor. So if you want to find out what he had to do, go check it out. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. So let's get into just a few minutes. Because I want to spend most of our time about this humongous game we have in front of us. But Purdue this past weekend, I think I learned a couple things. And you can either agree or disagree or however you want to chime in. But I think number one is Purdue. We really saw how bad they are. Um, I, I know with that we looked at a lot of the statistics. They ranked in the 80s and the 90s in a lot of offensive, defensive categories. Uh, Ohio State, you know, we know where they're at. The defense is a top five, top 10, 15, depending upon what stat you're looking at, style of defense. And we're outside the top 25 in offense, which is a new concept for Ohio State that we're used to in the last few years. But we pretty much had our way with Purdue, and realistically, I mean, we both teams left some points on the side, but it was a forty-one to what seven victory. Yep. So it was it, it was it was pretty pretty easy, and to be perfectly honest, going to West Lafayette and winning like that, I don't think you can ever shake your head at that because in history's past, I mean, we're two and four on the road the last six times at West Lafayette. So you know, winning forty-one to seven, regardless of how bad Purdue is. Uh, has been this year is still a success in my book. But do you kind of agree with, you know, was this more of an Ohio state playing well in this game or was this more of was Purdue really that bad?
1: I think it's a little bit of both to be honest with you, Davis. So, so speaking to, to what you said there about the fact that that's a tough place to play, I can see how in 2018 that place was rocking. We had 40% of that stadium filled with scarlet and yet on third down in the first quarter, you would have thought it was 90-10 in, in favor of Purdue. It's a great stadium to watch a game in. I mean, it, is, it, it you get really close to the players. Like, it's its an intimate setting where there's really not a bad seat in the house. And I think it holds 53,000-something on that line. Um, but its if you ever get a chance to go to West Lafayette, do it. Because it, it was it was a great trip. And it was a lot of fun, and it is a fantastic place to watch a football game. It's it's a cool stadium, um, but I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I think they're beat up. Um, their offensive line had suffered injuries going into that game, and they had two more during the game. Their kicking game is a mess. Um, they were literally having tryouts in between during the commercials. Students were coming out and kicking field goals for prizes. And Aaron turned to me, my co-host, and he says, "Eric." This isn't by accident. This is legitimately a tryout. And sure enough, uh, based off of what we saw in the special teams department for Purdue, I do believe that was a tryout. Um, <laughs> they are they are beat to smithereens. It's, it's not a bad football team. It's just a team that is beat up, and they don't have the depth. Um, Ohio State didn't have to do anything fancy. I think Ohio State um, – they they did some things to put on film for Penn State particularly um you know rolling out there and, and throwing in the backup quarterback in uh on basically to to run the read option in the red zone so that's interesting i'm sure we'll get into that but uh i think ohio state did play is better and i think penn state is worse so it's a little bit of both but i also think that ohio state definitely was using that game to gear up to what we're facing this Saturday.
0: That, that That's a great way to put it, to be honest with you. Before we go on to that, you actually bring up a point, and I swear it's been something that's been on my mind. And you've been at a lot of games a lot more recently than I have. Um, but I o- almost feel, and especially from home, that I don't feel like Ohio State has the greatest home field advantage in regards to what other schools have. And I feel like when I've been there, a big issue is that it's almost so big that you don't feel like the crowds on top of you Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel as intimate as some of these other places possibly do. Plus, it doesn't help that Ohio State doesn't play a lot of big time night games anymore at home, you know, especially since Fox has been introduced. We're, We're playing most of our games at noon, but. What's your kind of, you know, I I don't mean to get off on a big, massive tangent here, but you know, what's your kind of vibe on why you feel like, you know, Ohio State? Maybe it's just me, but does Ohio State maybe lack a little bit of home field advantage in regards to the environment? Um, maybe not
1: so much the environment. I think that the home field advantage comes from the fact that the players don't have to travel. That uh, that alone I, will help a player stay in their routine, sleep in their their own bed, that type of thing. But the fan base, I think, has gotten we're just spoiled. And if we don't have a big game to really get rowdy for, we you know, and then you know half of them get liquored up during the day, and you know it's a it's a noon game you know type of atmosphere. I feel like if there's going to be one where we have a home field advantage, I really do feel like it's this Saturday because I think this is the one that the fans circled as this is the one I want to go to. This is the one I want to be at. Uh, If I have to save up for one game, this is the game I want to save up. There's not a lot of games on our schedule, home games, that really matter. This one does. And so I feel like there will be a home field advantage in this particular game. But when it comes to the other five, I seriously doubt it. It just, you know, Maryland, take Maryland, for instance, like we got loud. I was at the game. We got loud on third down, but it took us, it took the fan base, basically the pick six to wake up that Maryland had that, had the entire shoe stone cold, quiet. And they jumped out to a lead. They took the crowd out of it, and then when the pick six happened, the fans the fans came alive. And from that point on, on third down, it was loud. It just seems like sometimes it's not necessarily the players that have trouble waking up. It might be the fans have trouble waking up to create that home field advantage. Now, if we're talking basketball, Davis, let me tell you something.
0: Man. Yeah, I've been I've been to, I've been to oh. uh, Valley City Arena. It's Gosh,
1: hot. it's it's terrible. Yeah, it is it's the, bad. It is the worst basketball arena in the Big Ten. And St. John's Arena was a thousand times better.
0: Yes, yes, I have been to some basketball games, and I can completely agree with you on that. Value City Arena is like almost so big. The way they have it set up, it's just like they never fill out the place, and it nope. just feels like no one's on top of anyone. I feel like that. That's that's why Cameron Indoor is is such a big nope. place in Indiana. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? There, there, there's so much more. It may not fit as many people, but you feel like there's three times as many people there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I yeah, Pitt, you know, Purdue had a good home field advantage, and Ohio State in football sometimes doesn't. The fight, despite the fact there's 105,000 there, it feels like there's 30,000 there sometimes, and they're so far away from you that it doesn't matter. So yeah, I agree. It, it, if it's not a big game, you can feel it in the shoe. It is. It's more of a. Uh, wow, I'm glad to be here. Let's sit down and watch a football game, right. you know, <laughs> as opposed to I am here to cause havoc. Um, I write a column every week on Scarlet and Game where I create I, – I, I write down my confidence level. I have five categories. One is coaches. I'll, I'll I'll compare the coaches, the offenses, the defenses, the special teams. And my fifth category I call X factor. My X factor for this week, for this game, and the reason why – And I don't mean to get ahead of of where we're at, but the reason why I think Ohio State can and will win this game against Penn State will be the fact that I think the crowd makes a difference.
0: Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into the game because, like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Purdue. I think we're all kind of in the same boat. Um, The one thing I do want to leave from the Purdue game before I move on is – I'm not going to say I called it. But if you listen to the live episode, I was literally talking about creating a package for Devin Brown in the red zone. I swear, if you don't believe me, go back and listen. And literally, I swear it was one on the second, third, second, third drive. Sure enough, Devin Brown comes in the 20 yard line, runs one in for a touchdown. And I looked at everyone. and I said, I told you so. Like I'm the smartest person on the planet. No, I probably just got lucky. But this is kind of what I was hoping to see out of this team, because, you know, I don't want to go off this huge tangent, but if this competition was so damn close, like everyone said it was in the preseason, then why aren't you utilizing Devin Brown in certain situations? Especially since Kyle McCord is not blowing the roof off the building. You know what I mean? Like I did not understand why he's not being utilized in certain circumstances. Plus you never know at any given time. It may have to be Devin Brown's show. Right. And the more opportunities you can give him and give him experience in a game, the more prepared he's going to be if he has to come in. So I was that's the big takeaway I'm taking from this is that i'm 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 seeing Ryan Day finally open up the shell and trying to, you know finally incorporate and figure out because i th- I think Ryan Day is still trying to search for what this offensive identity is as well. You know, they try to put their finger on it like, you know, what is this offense? Well, we know what it's been for the last handful of years with Ryan Day. It's been mainly passing and rush when we can. You know what I mean? But I think this year it's been, well, what do we have? We know we have five of the best running backs in the country all in one room. We don't have necessarily the best offensive line. But, you know, we we have some of the best wide receivers. We don't necessarily have the best passer in the country. So what are we? You know, Ryan Day wants to favor the pass, but he also understands the run's important. But I don't think we've really established what we are yet this year. So mm-hmm. I think he's still searching for that. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think you can really label us under one thing like you have been in the past. I think we can be a bunch of different things. I think this yeah. offense could be kind of a chameleon this year. It can adapt to whatever the game needs to be and whatever they're seeing. And I think if we can adapt in that game, then we can we can make it work. So... You know, I was I was talking to Chad and I think the the big thing this year is that I don't feel like we're going to be out of any game this year just cuz of the defense. Mm-hmm. But I I I have a sneaking suspicion it's just going to be a grind fest all year. Mhm.
1: Yeah, you're 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 preaching my language, man. You're you're speaking my love language. So, uh we a couple weeks ago had a debate on what is the identity of the offense and we came to the conclusion that the identity of the offense is whatever's working that day. Yeah. Like that, that, like that's essentially where we're at, and where we feel that Ryan Day hasn't maybe necessarily verbally explained well to the media, but in his head, that's where he's at. Um, and the other thing is, is I feel that this team, and we said this weeks ago. In fact, we were kind of prophetic, you know, to to, to piggyback off of your prediction. We were prophetic in the sense that when the season started, I said don't be surprised if this team feels more like 2002 than it does 2014. Yes. And what I what I meant by that was I I felt from the beginning that the defense would lead the way and the offense would be can we just find enough points whether that be through the air ground sea whatever yes. special teams. Whatever it took, and of course, the Notre Dame game was the perfect example of that, which we I immediately declared that this that was this generation's holy buckeye game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I really feel that there is a sense of magic with this team that from week to week you don't know how, when, and where, but it will happen, and that's kind of where we're at, you know, offensively. I feel like maybe we figured a few things out in the running game in West Lafayette. I think Dallin Hayden actually his running style fits the the scheme of zone blocking that we run on the offensive line, maybe a little bit better than the other running backs. Um, However, I do feel that they figured some things out there. I also feel that bringing uh, bringing in the backup quarterback like we did, And in the red zone and running that wrinkle was incredibly smart for no other reason than Penn State has to spend time on it now. And don't be surprised if all of a sudden uh, there's a jump pass at at some point in this game. If if we're down in the red zone again, running that.
0: God, I hope so. Wouldn't that not be a great homage just to see that play? I mean, it's the most awkward looking play, but I don't think I've ever seen it fail. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so
1: and Devin, Devin re- Brown's Devin Brown's not a bad thrower. No, okay? he isn't. I mean, I've
0: said, first of all, I think the last two games, he's thrown the best ball in the last two games.
1: Yeah, that ga- that pass to uh, the freshman. Ennis. Uh, slip- a- Ennis, my- yes. That was right on. Like it was pretty, dime. in stride. It was in stride. That was That's like, something 30, like
0: 30, 35 yards in the air on a dime. McCord has In struggled
1: at that. Yeah, McCord has struggled. How many times has Marvin Harrison had 10 yards mm-hmm. on somebody yep. and had to hold up and wait for the ball?
0: Well, like, here's the question. How many pass interference calls have we had this year because of underthrown balls?
1: Uh, quite a few, actually. Yeah. A,
0: ton. a ton. You know how many times I sit there, I was like, it's great for the flag, but you know what? It shouldn't have been there. He, that got bailed out because McCord underthrew it that bad.
1: Yeah. So and
0: that, I, I, that's I'm not it, and, yeah. and
1: listen, and listen, I'm not trying to say that Devin Brown needs to be the starter here. OK, it was obvious that that Kyle McCord was more consistent in the first three games. It was obvious. OK, um, but at this it, it, it was was the was what the man that gave Ryan Day confidence in running the most, uh, you know, the, the larger part of his playbook. OK, right. but I love the fact that Ryan Day revealed to all of us that his playbook is big enough to say, if we're going to expand on it, Devin Brown gives me the best chance in the red zone to run some of this read option that Kyle obviously can't run or isn't good at running. And it's a completely different wrinkle. And I, I love it. I, I know some people were were ticked off, you know, especially cause he fumbled, but
0: dude, come on. Like, that, that was just – it was a perfect hit and a perfect time, and he's diving for the end zone, man. Like I can't fault him. Like I'm not next happy time, about
1: it. Next time he will not leave his, leave his feet. I promise you. He will not leave his feet. So yeah. it, it, that's not going to happen again. I think that this is something that literally could be a make-or-break type of thing. So the difference between winning and losing some games is seven points versus three points. And if that's the best option in the red zone to get you seven as opposed to – you know, flailing out and getting three, then by all means, let's run the heck out of it. Right.
0: Absolutely. like, I, I'm so on board with that. Um, I'm not one. And I know Chad was in the same boat too, that we're not one to say that we agree with the two quarterback system. I mean, I don't know how many people really like that. But in this way, it's not really a two-quarterback system. You just have a specific set of skills. I mean, what is this, like, you know, taken? I have a specific set of skills. You know, once we get into the red zone, I will run the read option and get it into the end zone. Like, you know, it's very defined what we're going to need him to do, but it creates – because, I mean, you know as well as anyone, the best way to score in the red zone is to run the ball because of how much shrunken the field has become. And I don't care how good of a receivers you are, how accurate you are. If you can't run the ball in the red zone, your percentage of touchdowns is not going to be as high. So this whole thing I'm completely in love with. I love the fact that he showed it. And I don't think it's just for show. I really think this is going to be a wrinkle that is going to stick this year, in my opinion. What wrinkles going to happen is when he puts uh, Devin Brown out there, he's also going to give some pass options. Like you said, that potential jump pass is going to actually be in the arsenal. So it's going to keep defenses on their heels. And I think he's going to show that early because once he shows it early, then he knows that Devin Brown could do one or the other.
1: Just so, wait. Yeah, just wait till the other wrinkle is Devin Brown goes in motion. Xavier Johnson comes back and takes a direct snap. I, I've been lo- and then he throws it to Devin Brown. I mean, he Xavier can throw the football too, or Devin Brown becomes a lead blocker because I'm telling you, Devin Brown's he's a horse, dude. Yeah, he's he's a horse. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to put his his face in there. And so, I mean, at that point, think of it this way: if you're literally in the red zone and you're going to hand the football off, it's Kyle Court handing the football off. It literally is ten on eleven, or if you're playing Notre Dame, ten on ten. But <laughs> yeah, if if you have if you have Brown back there. It, it it is eleven on eleven because he can run the football or he can block. Like the dude, the dude is versatile that way. Where Absolutely. McCord is not. So it, it really right. does open more of the playbook. I love it.
0: Yeah, so I think that's all good news. So with this Ohio State Penn State game, and this is always one in Chad would vibe would agree with me too, for years, up until at least the past couple, this was always the game that worried me the most even more than the Michigan game Uh, given, you know, since 2012, we've only lost that one game in 2016 on that block field goal that was ran back. Uh, But this game has been scarily close. A lot of times there's been a handful of games that we probably shouldn't have won that we've pulled out. And this is just the game on the schedule for me that makes me probably the most nervous. Um, I'm, I don't know if I would say, especially the last couple of years, more nervous than Michigan, Cause that's kind of taken on a different animal of its own, uh, because of the last couple of seasons, but this one really makes me nervous. So even before we kind of get into, you know, what we feel like is going to be important in this game, what we think is going to happen, you know, are you kind of in the same boat? Do you feel like, you know, this is a game usually when you see on the schedule, it makes you nervous or is it just kind of like, well, we know it's a tough team, but Ohio state is going to pull it out.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say in the past I've been more nervous because of what you the, what you highlighted the close games, the close scores. Um, you know, I would say Quan Barkley was there, I would say definitely yes. Um, this Penn State team, although they have re, have um, been recruiting on a very high clip uh, the last couple years and have been building to this season, like the last three years have been a building to this moment. And if you ask any Penn state fan, this is the year they've had circled ever since they had that really good class three years ago, who are now juniors or redshirt sophomores. And they are primed to make this the year, right? That's how they feel. That being said, I'm eerily confident right now. Like I understand that this thing can get swirly, a bad ball can bounce Penn State can grab all the momentum and we could lose this thing like I understand that and I understand that a lot of the experts feel very strong that Penn State matches up well against Ohio State but we also match up well against them as well in some areas and this is going to be kind of one of those games where there's some give and take and whichever team kind of has that uh I guess the big play moment I think is going to win. But that, again, this is why I'm, I'm feeling confident. I think the fans being at Ohio stadium, you know, the atmosphere that's going to be there in our favor, you know, the whole scarlet out the shoe thing, the X factor in this, I, I feel eerily confident about this game, Davis. Like I'm not, I'm not nearly as nervous as I would be if we were going into their place. And it's a whiteout, if you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. So it's funny, like, if you've listened to me and Chad before, Chad is more the glass half empty, I'm more half full. And you're sounding a lot like what I normally sound like. But for some reason, when it comes to Penn State, I switch roles. I'm so (laughs) glass half empty when it comes to this. And I don't know why. It's like, I guess in a weird way, it's like, I feel like we've just gotten fortunate in a handful of these. And I feel like, you know, the odds are going to work against each other. Like something's going to happen.
1: Okay, you let, know, me ask you th- let me ask you this then. Who has Penn State played on their schedule thus far that you look at and you go, dang, they really blew them out and they were good?
0: Eh, you know, that's a fair question. I don't think it's really based off of what I've seen from this them this year. I think it's really on the fact that it's more history based than anything um i know that they've made improvements in a few areas on the field i know they have a really good defense and that mm-hmm. i think that's probably main mainly the big issue just because i don't trust our offense here i'm not expecting you know penn state to be putting up a ton of points on us in this game you know i i think this is going to be a knock them out drag them out game And it's more history-based for me, not necessarily what they've done on the field this year. I mean, the one thing I'm actually thankful for, this is the first time in the last handful of years that uh, Penn State hasn't pissed away a game right before they played us. (laughs) Right. So that way we actually get to play them (laughs) unbeaten instead of losing to Indiana, losing to Purdue, or something stupid like the week or two weeks before to all of a sudden it like, you know, puts a little bit of the sheath over the shine of the game. Like Mm -hmm. finally we get an unbeaten matchup, And I think that's only going to help the environment.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, you, you mentioned the Penn state defense. Yes. I understand they're ranked number one overall. Like they are, they are really, really good. They create, they have their plus 10 in the turnover margin right now, uh, which is one of the best in the country. They're giving up the fewest amount of rushing yards, I believe in the country, Uh, and and then they're not too far behind that and in the passing department as well. And they're, they are the number one defense in the country, but look at, look at the offenses they played. Okay. They played Iowa. Okay. (laughs) That's That's right. I told Chad it's not fair. I wish we could all
0: play Iowa. All of our defensive stats would look great if we could all play Iowa.
1: They played Delaware. Okay. Uh, they played illinois uh, they played northwestern they played umass these are terrible offenses mm-hmm. davis i yes. mean bad putrid offenses now west virginia showed that they can score some points but that was the beginning of the year first you know, game of the year anything first can game happen of the year, at home mm-hmm. at night right yeah i think that's a little bit different of a score if they if they play again i think penn state probably outscores them in a little bit more of a shootout possibly But and then you look at, you know, those defenses. Yes, the Iowa defense is really good and they still hung 31 on them. But but the their defense has capitalized on playing terrible offenses and given their offense short fields all season. long. Like offensively, they're they're efficient, but they're not explosive at all. Like Penn State is, they 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 win the possession battle, they win the time of possession every single week, they almost lull the defense asleep. They're really good on on third downs. They get they they get short fields, they stay on on the schedule, and they're successful on third down. If there's a if Ohio State defensively can get after them a little bit, create some third and longs, get off the field. I really feel like they will, number one, but I feel very confident that we're going to score enough points to win the football game. Like, I know their defense is really good, but they've not been challenged like we're about to challenge them.
0: I completely agree. Um, Like I said, just to premise, I mean, most of my worry comes from the historical relevance of us playing them over the past handful of years. But still, if you want to look on paper, you know, it's still a nervy game. And it's more of a nervy game just because you don't trust our offense because, yes, you have to score more points than the other team. I don't care if you keep them to zero. If you can't score, then it's not going to matter. So, yes, people get worried when you have trouble scoring the ball. But what I'm looking at a lot with this matchup, and like you mentioned, I understand they're not playing, you know, the greatest teams – and if you want to think about that on the other side of the ball, too, Penn State is, I think, dead last in the Big Ten or one of the worst at creating explosive plays. Yeah, especially against the teams that they're playing against. So I understand Drew Allers is this big, highly touted five star quarterback out of Ohio. Um, I understand that they're expecting big things out of him. But they said the same thing about, you know, Christian Hackenberg and the same thing about well, Joe Schmo from last year, Cliff, whatever his name is. Clifford. Yeah. yeah. That, yes. That's how much I remember. The so, big Red Dog. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I'm not sitting here like I'm, you know, I'm quivering because of this crazy offense all of a sudden they have this two headed monster, which, to be perfectly honest, looks like it's taken a big step back from what they were rushing last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it is more just historically based that this is always a dogfight. Okay. And
1: well, then let me ask you this question, Davis. If you're go ahead. If that if that's what because this might help you. Were you as this nervous last week?
0: Uh, yeah. To be honest, I, were you listen, really? Okay, so I, nowhere near what this week. Not nervous. Okay. But, but his under thought, the if, impression that stupid stuff has happened at West Lafayette in the past, and knowing okay. that this offense could have. Ran into something stupid. Core could have all of a sudden got the throw it to the other teamsies, and something weird could have happened. Now, as the game went on, I was like, "Oh well, either Purdue's that bad, or we're actually doing what we're supposed to be doing."
1: <laughs> so we, yeah, so we were. You mentioned it earlier, two and four in our last six yeah. trips to Los, West mm-hmm. West Lafayette. Do you know the last time Penn State's beaten up, beat us at Ohio Stadium?
0: Oh, that's a good guess. Um. I'm gonna guess. Has it been in the 2000s? It was. Okay, 2007. Uh, not that far back. Too only a little too far back. 2011. Bingo! There it there was. It was our, it was our terrible ter- first year. Our
1: two, our terrible 2011 year when we were six and seven, right? They got they got us in our home stadium that year. They since then. We have beaten them at Ohio Stadium, even when we were down 21 or however many points in what was that, 2015? It's Twenty was 2017. 2017, yeah, and we mm-hmm. had an amazing comeback, okay? Yep. Yeah,
0: Joe Saquon ran ran the first kickoff uh-huh. back all the way, and we're down like 20-some points in the fourth quarter, and J.D. Parrott all of a sudden decides, I'm going to play 20. quarterback yep. for one quarter. Yeah. I'm just going to decide to throw 13-for-13 13 13 for three touchdowns. And no, we just decided to we play quarterback.
1: We won't talk about the following week's trip to Iowa City. No, no, but, not at all. But my point standing. we even won that one. Yes. Like there yeah. is some serious. So think of it from the perspective of Penn State. They they have a serious monkey on their back when they come to our shoe. Okay. When they come to our home, there's there's some bad mojo for them, okay. Yeah, There is – every Penn State fan I have talked to, every Penn State podcaster I've podcasted with so far this season and this week have all said the same thing. If we win, we win close, okay? If it's close, I'm telling you we win the football game. Our defense, whether it be JT Tumulau doing what he did last year on them, whether it be Denzel Burke, whether it be Pryor, somebody – is going to make a go to make a play, and hey man, Kyle McCool in the fourth quarter, buddy. You go look up Kyle's numbers in the fourth quarter; they
0: are awesome. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Kyle, Kyle's actually a second half player. He needs he needs some time to kind of get into the game, which is kind of a downside.
1: He needs he needs hitting. The, he needs hitting the chin. Yeah,
0: like he, he, he it's punched, kind of a downside, right? but once he gets into the game, he he starts filling in that role pretty damn well. So it's funny. I think I've actually kind of leveled it down to why I'm so nervous about this game. And it's because of what's happened at Michigan the last two years. Because I used to be nervous about the game, but not so much. And then all of it takes is one year for them to finally get you, you know? And it may not take much of a difference, but one year for them to finally get you. Yes. Have we always pulled these ones out against Penn State? Yes. Were we always pulling them out against Michigan? Yes. You know, stopping on a second uh, on a, a go for two at the at the end of the game or, you know, the the JT Barrett run or whatever it is. You know, even though we had that big stretch, we snuck past and finally they got us. And then all of a sudden it became a problem.
1: Yeah.
0: So maybe that's what's in the back of my mind about per, uh, Penn State is that, you know, at some point, when is that tide going to turn? Is it going to be this year? Is this their best opportunity to turn the tide this year? Because we can look at all the stats that we want to. And from me locally down here in Kentucky, like I don't hear the local Columbus radio, so I hear more of the broad national news. And I'd say at least 60 70% of people are taking Penn State in this game.
1: Yeah, which is fantastic. I love that. Do it. You know, keep, keep doubting this defense. Keep doubting Jim Knowles. Keep doubting Ryan Day. Keep doubting – uh these seniors, you know, the upper keep touting Marvin Harrison Jr., which is the absolute dumbest thing anybody could, could ever do. Um, yeah. How about how about Purdue calling our offense basic? <laughs> okay, like, like <laughs> yeah. keep doing that stuff. Yes, it's stupid. Please. Okay, because it just adds motivation and uh to this team. And they I, okay, so I, I here's what I think, man. Here's the difference between Penn State and the team up north, all right. The team up North actually believes like believes their own crap. Their confidence is through the roof. Penn State's not there, man. They're not there. They are still number 3 in the conference and they know it. They are they 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 are they are chasing. Um, 2 years ago Jim Harbaugh somehow got that team to believe they're not chasing. They are they are who they are. And, and it, it just absolutely was a snowball going downhill. I don't see that with Penn state. I still don't see that, see that I expected a year ago. I, I called it a year ago. I thought Penn state was going to be the team to beat in the big 10. And yeah, even though they've looked really good in these games, I just don't think that they're there yet. I don't see that mojo on the sideline. And, and a part of that is, is James Franklin is, I just don't think he's a big game coach. I mean, two weeks ago he was yelling at his own media, asking him questions about why he's not throwing the football down the field. You know, and his response was that question makes my skin crawl. Like, <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> like, wow. he's Franklin's in his own head, man. He really is. Now, the one coach that does give me some pause is uh, Manny Diaz. The dude's the dude's really good defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But like they got they got Mike Yurchick calling offensive plays.
0: Right, that's Come why they're on, <laughs> that's why the last man. big ten and big plays absolutely.
1: Come on, right? We got we've got this, Davis. man. I'm telling you, I'm I am I'm feeling more and more like we've got this. I'm not saying we're we're gonna win big. I feel this is definitely gonna be a close game, but I feel I feel it's advantage Scarlet and Gray, baby.
0: Yeah, so I ha- I haven't given my score prediction yet. I know I know you're all expecting this. Davis is going to actually predict a loss. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying there's a lot of trepidation coming into this game just from past experience from, you know, still not a ton of confidence in our offense this year. Um I understand Penn State hasn't played anyone, but they're hungry. They've been tr- they've been circling this game on the schedule for, you know, since last year at this time. So that that's all just kind of built into it. But You know, the one thing I want to kind of finish with that worries me in this game is I still don't know how healthy we are. You know, I've not gotten anything definitive about Trey or Mayan. I've not gotten anything definitive about Emeka. And most importantly to me, I've not gotten anything definitive about Denzel Burke.
1: Yeah, that's what scares me. Yeah, I I agree with you. yeah. So I
0: don't know if you have games. anything to share that you might have heard, but the it's like Ryan Day keeps everything so close to the chest nowadays that you won't know until an hour before game time who's going to play.
1: So I can tell you this much. The last two weeks, Travion Henderson has, has gone out and warmed up with the team before the game. And last week, he could have played. I know he could have played, but they looked at the weather they looked at the team across the field and they said, "We don't need him, so let's let's hold him back." I have no idea what's going on with Mayan Williams. I have no clue. I I heard he was overweight, and the coaching staff said, "Dude, you're you're gaining weight again. You got to cut weight." And it sounded like he did. And then he got in the game two weeks ago against Maryland for one series, and again last week wasn't even dressed. I feel like there's something going on behind the scenes there that we don't know about. And Ryan Day doesn't want us to know about it. It could be something personal. I don't know. Um, of course, I think I think uh, um, Chip is probably out because he's going to be in uh, concussion protocol. Right. So I think we're going to have Henderson and Dallin Hayden as our running backs this week, and I'm okay with that. If that's if that's the duo, I'm cool with that, man.
0: Yeah, I have no problem with that either. The only thing that worries me about Dallin Hayden is in the passing game. Um, from some of the plays that I've seen, even though he ran the ball great, I think it's it, you know his blocking in the passing game is what struggles. So I feel like if you definitely see Trey out there, that's when he, he might be passing a little bit more. So I think if we trail in this game, we're going to see Trey a lot more in later. But you might see Dallin a little bit more earlier in the game just to kind of alleviate Trey in some of those plays.
1: Possibly. Egbuka, uh, uh, I think it's, it's going to come down to a game-time decision. Um, I have not heard how he's doing in practice, but I have heard he, he has practiced this week. So it might've been a run out there for a little bit. How does it feel type of situation? Right. Um, so that might be a, that might be a game day decision for him. How are you feeling in the morning? You want to try to give it a go. He goes out there, he gives it a go. And it's like, ah, I'm still hurting. And they say, you know, okay, we're not going to let you play. Or it could be, he's good to go. Same thing with Burke, I think. I think Burke will be more of a game time decision. Um, which kind of scares me, um, because his is more you know, was a week ago as opposed to Buka being two weeks ago. Um and if you ask my if you ask my opinion which one would hurt more, I do believe have, not having Burke might hurt more. Um yeah. than uh, Buka.
0: I agree. I think Denzel Burke is one of our best defensive players and one of the reasons why we have such good numbers in the passing defensive stat category. Yeah. Um, I know we have Jermaine Matthews Jr. that's probably going to fill in that role, and he's a really good player, but he's not Denzel Burke this year. Denzel hey, Burke is... A, it's a
1: true freshman making his first start in the biggest yeah. game of the year. That usually don't play yeah. well.
0: I, 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 now, I'm not going to say the kid couldn't play well. I don't want to take anything away from him, but... I trust in Denzel Burke this year. You know, I trust in him going up against their number one. And I feel like he's a big part of, you know, the reason why Igbenosen's had to have so much, you know, traffic this year because they're they're not targeting Denzel at all. So if he's not in the game, that that gives me the most worry of all. Um, I know we have a deep wide receiver room. I feel like we could fill Emeka's void to some extent. Um, I feel like we can fill the void at running back to some extent, but the cornerback position, especially with what he's produced this year, that one worries me the most. So if we don't see number 10 out there, is he still number 10? I can't remember. He switched his number half time.
1: Dude, Burke? Yeah, Denzel's 10.
0: Okay. So as long as he's still out there, then I have a lot more confidence in this game. But if he's not out there, then I feel like that's going to be number one target. And you know that Penn State is preparing to target whoever might be filling in in case Burke is not there.
1: I, yeah that's a that's definitely a possibility, but I also say this I just don't I don't know that drew Allers is, is, is gonna be able to take advantage of that if that was even the case.
0: that's true too um man we could we could go on and on about this game. There's so many cool like matchups and things that we could talk about, but
1: yeah, you know, can, can I give I, you one matchup that people need to keep their eye on? Yes, absolutely, okay. so. And this comes from Penn State. Okay, this comes from the Penn State podcast, guys. They are scared to death of our defensive tackles because they have <laughs> terrible guards. Yeah. They're like they're not they're not afraid of Jack Sawyer and JT Tumulo, even after the game JTT had last year. They're not afraid. They they think their tackles are are m- going to be more than capable of stopping them. They are terrified of Michael Hall Jr. and Tyler Williams because their guards are trash. So if we can get a push up the middle and they make Drew Aller uncomfortable, it is advantage Ohio state big
0: time. Yeah. And I, listen, even if we're missing Denzel, I have a lot of faith. I've been super high on this defense all year. Um, I know a lot of people have, but I really honestly believe that this is going to be very similar to statistical wise, the 2019 team. Um I I just think that, you know, the philosophy change that, that um, Jim Knowles made was really crucial because, yeah, I think he actually realized that we just didn't quite have that super dominant defensive end that was going to blow up a game. So what do you do is that? You, you work on really keeping everything in front of you. I mean, that's the reason why. I think we're still the only team in the country that hasn't given up a play over 40 yards. Is that correct? One of three. We're one of three. Yeah. Uh,
1: so that that's Air insane. Force, it's Air, Believe it or not, it's Air Force, us, and Rutgers.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, even by dumb luck, that's just insane. You know what I mean? So they've obviously fixed the biggest overlying issue in our defense for the last handful of years is giving up the big plays. And are we giving up a few Plays here and there yes but I mean You know what's even more amazing is the bend but don't Break philosophy that people Think that we're playing would still mean That we're giving up tons of yards but we're still What in the top 10 top 15 and Giving up yards per game
1: we are Seventh in the nation
0: yeah So if you're bend but don't break you wouldn't be Seventh in the nation there's no bend There's no Mm -hmm. break We're just keeping everything in front of us we're Getting them off the field we're tightening Up in the red zone we're giving up barely Ten points a game like I have so much faith in this defense that that's why I said I don't care how bad our offense plays. I feel like we're going to be in every single game this year. I don't care who we play just I would because not, of that.
1: Yeah, I would not say we're playing a bend but not break defense. I would say we're playing we are playing sound and we are we are really tackling well. Um, we are also reading our keys. Um, I know there's been some talk about the last few weeks. Tommy's missed a few uh, missed a few plays where he's been in the wrong gap. And Steele for the last couple games seems to be MIA a little bit uh, in the tackling department as well. He's kind of got lost in the sauce with some of the motions that the teams have ran and kind of been out of position. But don't I wouldn't fret on that. I, I really think that we are just so sound defensively. And I go back to that fourth and fourth and one or fourth and two run that no, that Notre Dame had when Sonny, kind of
0: Sunny mm-hmm. Styles and I think it might have been Steele kind of met him at the goal line and just, I think it was I think it was uh um oh gosh number eight why am I drawing a blank um Sunny Styles is
1: sick oh yeah was, number uh, eight it was uh it was uh, uh Lathan the, 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 Ransom Lathan Ransom thank you yes, yes it was yes, Lathan yeah those two like the fact that they are they are reading the play and reacting as fast as they are is what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. It's intelligent. It's comfortable and familiarity of the defense and understanding through film watching what you're seeing and unknowing what they're trying to do offensively and being at the right place at the right time. Um, We don't, we don't have to get exotic with our defensive looks because we don't have to, we, we don't have to try to be tricky just be sound. That's all we're doing, and it is working to a perfection this
0: year. Right, and I and I know the big focus has been what you know we're one of the worst in the country at the sack rate, right? and there's a that's by design. Now that I'm seeing this, like sh- should we probably have better numbers than we do? Yes, but I think every team we've, that we've played has had made a conscious effort to get rid of the ball fast. Yeah. Number two is that we're not bringing a ton of pressure like we had in the past. You know, with the, you know, the intentional reason of trying to keep everything in front of us. So, you know, I I fully finally now understand how, you know, he like Jim Knowles is not overly worried about the sack rate just because he understands what style he's playing this year. And he's had to adapt. And I think it's been adapting for the better. Now, is he going to eventually in these tougher games potentially this weekend have to take more chances? Absolutely. You know, So I think there's more of a risk in these games, but he understands, depending upon the situation, whether or not we're going to have to take that risk. So you know, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this defensive game is going to be called this weekend. And, of course, it's going to be situation-based as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. you know, I heard Larry on the radio, Larry Johnson, say that uh, the defensive ends have had to play more containment. So when you say that it's by design, that's what you're talking about. They literally are telling the defensive end based on down and distance and the call that's being made defensively, don't rush the quarterback, keep containment. And right. and and so you can see that sometimes. Um and, you know, I know if the fans are like, why would we do that? Well, here's the stat that would say why we do that in the passing department. Well, you're first off, you're creating third and longs that way, you know, on second down. Don't go rush the quarterback, you know, quarterbacks looking for someone open. The pocket starts to collapse, um, you know, and he, he tries to get out. How many times have we've had TFLs or tackles at the line of scrimmage? Right. And right. they're not they've not called them sacks. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah, that blows my mind. But anyways, it, to me, it's a sack, but they they're not calling
0: it. Well, that. it's like the one in the Notre Dame game. Like I yeah. still don't. I don't know how they didn't give JTT a sack in that game.
1: Right, I agree. But that that's essentially what that that call is is right. happening. But it also creates a, a stat that no one talks about: Hob or hand on ball. Like mm-hmm. you get your hand up and you knock the pass down. Have you not noticed how many times we've been doing that now?
0: Yes, finally that, getting our head turned around, we're getting the yeah. interception. I am
1: talking on the defensive line.
0: Oh, that too. I mean, that, that yeah, actually like, I, feel, I feel like that's happened more in the first 6 weeks than I can recall it happening yes. in an entire season.
1: That's a part that is that's a part of what they the scheme they're drawing up where don't break containment, follow the quarterback's eyes, try to get in the passing lane and then get your hands up. And right. it's, you know, it's the next best thing to a sack is knocking the pass down. Yeah. So that's something else that's that's, you know, and again, it's a stat that no one mentions that really should that should be highlighted. I would love to know how many passes our a defensive line have blocked compared to, you know, other teams in the nation. I don't know that stat, but that's that would be an interesting one to find out.
0: Right. So I feel like I said, I feel like that's all by design and that's intentional. You know, in the first handful of games, I, you know, like anyone else, I'm sitting there thinking, why are we not getting to the quarterback? Why are we not getting to the quarterback? And now that I'm kinda of taking a step back and seeing, you know, what overall he's playing and I'm really watching, I really feel like that's by design. Like if we get the sack, great. Do you want to get the sack? Yes, absolutely. But at the end of the day, we're keeping everything in front of us, getting the hands on the ball, like you said, breaking stuff up, you know, keeping them to off off schedule, like you said, you know, keeping them third, you know, second along, third and long, and getting off the field, and it's showing up in yards per game. at seventh in the country at points per game. At what third in the country? So obviously he knows what he's doing. He's getting paid millions of dollars, and we aren't. So I think we're finally starting to see what the mad to- mad scientist is seeing.
1: Yeah, which is funny because you know we all thought he would be drawing up these crazy like hybrid defensive end blitz from the other side of the field type of. And, right. and he's really pulled the reins back on that and been like, it's to me, he, he's learned this season. Just let these guys read the play and be mm. athletes. And it's yeah. working.
0: Absolutely, man. So let's go ahead and get into um... – Let's get into some score predictions, and then we added a new segment, since gambling is now live in Kentucky, since I live down here, uh, that me and Chad also do a script parlay. Now, he doesn't, he didn't give me a bet he made, but whatever script parlay that we say is something we actually bet. So we'll do that, and then we give our prop bets, and I'll kind of let you throw your two cents out on that as well, and then we'll wrap it up. So sound good? Sounds good. So I will at least reveal what Chad feel like the, his score would be. And, you know, I do feel bad that he didn't get to say his piece because his score prediction to me was very surprising. He says the Buckeyes win 45 to 31. Ooh, uh, he said he thinks there's going to be a lot of offense in this game and that our defense is going to give up the most points of the year. And it's funny. My immediate comment after that was Jesus. All right, then. <laughs> so... I just like I'm reading exactly what he sent me. So for me, I really feel like this is going to be a defensive battle. I feel like if you get in field goal range, you take the three points, it's going to be valuable in this game. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to kind of come down to the wire and I'm calling a 23 to 20 Ohio State win.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm at 27-24.
0: <laughs> so we're we're very similar. Uh, mm-hmm. The only difference is I'm putting us under the over-under, which is at 45 and a half, and you have us just creeping over that. Yeah. So that leads us right into me and Chad's prop bets. So the, for those of you who pay attention, me and Chad do prop bets each week, and at the end of the season, whoever wins the overall running total, the other person has to do something incredibly stupid. If you haven't seen what Chad's done last year because he lost last year, check it out on our website on DTIpodcast.com. But the current running total is I did sweep him last week, so I've made it all the way back up to only being trailing 10 to 8. So I was in deep trouble this year, Eric. I don't know if you were paying attention, but I was getting ready to have to eat some raw fish or do something horrible, and I now have a little more confidence because I swept him in the Purdue game. So here's what we decided on. Um, Chad is going to take over two-and-a-half rushing touchdowns for Ohio State this game. So he thinks Ohio State's going to get three or more rushing touchdowns. I'm taking under. Um, I said no team will score 30 or more. He thinks obviously a team will. And then finally, I did take the under 45 and a half game total. He took the over. So there's where we separate. Again, we post all of our prop bets from each game on our website. So And you can see our running total there as well. So, uh, actually, I want to pick your brain real quick before I go to my script parlay. What do you think about those lines that we made? Cause the funny thing is I don't go online and look these up. We always just create these, what we feel like it's going to be. And the funny thing is when I actually go look at what's handicapped online, it's actually pretty close.
1: Yeah. I think you win two out of the three. I think, yeah, I think, I think you're going to take, take two of them based off of what I saw. I think I'd take under on the rushing touchdowns yeah um what was the what was the second one
0: uh no team over th- uh 30 points or more
1: i i agree with that one i think there, i don't think anybody's gonna get
0: that one and then the other one's under 45 and a half so your score prediction I'm had it at that. 50 yeah, i'm over i that. have it at like 43 42 in that range
1: yeah, so you won two of them
0: yeah and opinion. i don't think you know what, and that's fine because i guess me only trailing by one yeah. with a few weeks left so i will take that Um, so for the script parlay, like I said, me and Chad always announce these, and this is really what we bet. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, the ones that I've announced, I have yet to win. So I decided this week that I was going to play a little bit smarter. So instead of my crazy 16 game parlay, because you know, what's better 16 game parlay than someone that just got gambling legal in Kentucky and is using his free bets for stupid stuff. Uh, I decided to be a little smarter, and I put a four-game parlay on Iowa covering a three and a half point spread against Minnesota because I feel like Ohio Iowa's defense can do that. I feel like Minnesota is that bad. I feel like Oklahoma Sooners just on a money line to beat us uh, UCF. Uh, that should be a guarantee. I took Duke. Over Florida State on the spread, Duke is giving up 14 and a half. I feel like Duke can keep it to less than two touchdowns in that game because I do not trust Florida State's defense at all. Uh, And especially the way I watch Duke play uh, Notre Dame gives me a lot of confidence that Duke could keep that a lot closer than 14 and a half. And then finally, I need good old Marvin Harrison Jr. to score a touchdown. So if I can get all four of those, that is a plus 575 parlay. So if you like that bet, go ahead and take it this weekend. Uh pass. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I I, is it the Iowa game that gets you? Uh,
1: yeah. I, I, Iowa to me, Iowa was the easiest bet in the world if you just
0: always take the under. It is, but all I, all they have to do is beat Minnesota by three and a half. So don't, all I, Iowa has don't. to do is score seven. I don't think Minnesota could score in Iowa.
1: You want, me, you want you want my shot? I think Minnesota can beat them this week. Ah, uh, it's at Iowa too. Brian Ference is the worst offensive He's coordinator <laughs> in the history of football, not just college yeah. football, history of football. He's awful he's holding the ferentz family is holding that entire fan base hostage
0: it's unfair and, Yeah.
1: and yet somehow they might still win the west how crazy
0: is that you know so the last point i want to make before we wrap this up and it's funny you bring that up is i don't know how many people are aware of the big 10 tiebreaker are you aware of what the ten, big 10 tiebreaker is
1: yeah so obviously it, it, it if if all 3 go 11 and 1 talking about the team up north penn state and ohio state it then goes mm-hmm. to uh conference opponent records i believe
0: of of the opposite division yes so, so yeah so we we what need, basi- yeah. We would so basically yeah to be
1: Minnesota to be really really good right mm-hmm. and, and then they lost last week to iowa which you know hurt so mm-hmm. yeah So that's why I'm kind of rooting for Minnesota too here. I don't blame
0: you. I don't listen. I gladly lose the money because it's still a free bet. (laughs) But I gladly lose the money if I was right. But yes, uh, so potentially let's say, you know, hypothetically, pardon me, hypothetically, we lose to Penn State this week and we beat Michigan at the end of the year and Michigan goes to Penn State and beats them. So we all are one and one against each other, right? So how do we do the tiebreaker? They're going to look at who did Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, Penn State play as your cross-division in the conference. And Penn State is going to probably get the nod as the tiebreaker because they've played Iowa and Ohio State and Michigan has not. And Iowa, with as good a record as they have, when you look at combined record, is probably going to give them the nod. So you could see a situation, even if we beat Penn State, and then Michigan or Penn State beats Michigan, and then Michigan beats us. I mean, we're in the same boat, no matter what. So nothing is safe unless we beat Penn State this week and Michigan at the end of the year. To be perfectly honest with you, so big game this weekend, man. I, I know we we've talked up a storm about it. Um, I'm super excited. Uh, it's going to be a great slate of football the entire weekend, man. Um, I, I I know that a lot of people are upset that this wasn't a night game and I can kind of vouch for that. But I also really enjoy big time games at noon because man, I get to get my day started right off the bat and I don't have to sit around and wait until seven, eight o'clock at night to get it going. So I don't know how you feel about that, Eric, but I actually, I kind of like the noon game. Maybe it's because it's been built into my blood from the Michigan game, but I kind of like the noon games.
1: Depends on the team. Depends on the game. Like to me, this, this one, I feel that Ohio State and Penn State should play each other the last Saturday of October at night every year
0: That's I, I my can't state. I can't argue with that because the the environment and listen as much as I hate going to Penn State, that environment that wide out that they have is probably the best environment in the big ten yeah I, I agree yep so um yeah, I mean We're super nervous, but I think we're both predicting a pretty close win here. Um, You know, I I think at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to can Kamikor take care of the ball? And can we execute in the red zone? And I I trust our defense enough to keep Penn State limited. So can our offense do enough in this game? And I think ultimately that's what it's going to come down to.
1: I agree. I agree 100% with you. And I think we do.
0: All right, man. So we're going to wrap this up uh, real quick again. Why don't you uh, tell them where you, they can find your stuff at again? And I just want to thank you again, Eric, for filling in on such short notice. Uh, it's been an absolute blast, man.
1: Yeah. So you can find us on YouTube at The Ohio Podcast on YouTube. Uh, we're on all the social media. We're on The X at The Ohio Pod, Facebook at The Ohio Podcast. You can find us on all your streaming services for audio. So wherever you want to get your podcast, just look up The Ohio Podcast.
0: All right, man. Thanks again um, for everyone listening at home. Uh, and those of you that are at the live episode, thank you again for coming. It was an absolute blast. We do look forward to doing that again in the future. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, hopefully we will have Chad back again after the Penn State game. And hopefully it's uh, with good news of a big Ohio State win. So uh, start cracking them open early on Saturday because we got a nooner. It's uh, biggest game of the year up to this point. And root on our Buckeyes as we take on those Penn State uh, Nittany Lions in Columbus. So until next time, guys, appreciate y'all and go Bucks! O H. I O.